Hi, this is Dr. Jane Battenberg, author of Change Within, Change the World. In this weekly podcast, I interview changemakers who are at the cutting edge of new thought and consciousness awareness. Join me as we change within and change the world together. Joining us today is Izan Lewis, professional astrologer from Guilford, England, to talk about turning challenges into opportunities. As an art of timing expert, she looks at the timing patterns and influences of astrology on people, on countries, and historical patterns, encouraging us to use our inner navigator. In a historically unprecedented pandemic where most of us are sequestered at home, I've asked Izan to share some perspectives on patterns in astrology, both leading up to this and what influences will come to bear in the future. Izan, welcome to the show. Thank you, Jane. It's lovely to be talking with you. So today's title for our podcast, Turning Challenges into Opportunities, comes from your book, The Time Capture. And I've asked you to take a look astrologically at our current world situation for patterns and for words of wisdom to guide us as we hunker down in our homes. Well, thank you. It's a great opportunity to be talking about these matters. And indeed, we are living in unprecedented times. It came, in a sense, in our Western world very suddenly. And like anything that happens suddenly, like a shock, it's very hard to get a grip on it. It feels unreal. It feels surreal. And I think we're only now in this this last week or so beginning to get what we call the new normal. (laughs) Normal. There's pluses with what's happening at the moment alongside, of course, a great deal of tragedy, loss, death, and the economy. It's very difficult in many ways to think too far ahead. And I think that's a salutary lesson for us all, that when we keep thinking ahead too much, we lose our centre a bit like a souffle. The future is not yet born. The past is history, but we have the present. People are saying that time seems to be changing, their concept of time. And that's a very big thing anyway. What is time? Because our routines have changed. So how we cooperate with time and indeed space, I'm sure Einstein never realized something like this would happen when he was talking and writing about time and space continuity. But space has become very precious to us, how much space we have to be outdoors, how much space we need to have between ourselves and somebody else when we're walking near them, or in a shop, and time, which appears to be invisible but is very real, has undergone some very definite permutations in our minds and hearts maybe what do we do with the extra time we've got so do you think time now for us is speeding up or slowing down just out of curiosity yeah for myself and for people who i've talked with it seems to be getting faster speeding up that's strange Mm. yes (laughs) yes because in a way we have more time people aren't commuting to work and you know, Jane, when you lived in California, what the commute was like. I know here in Guildford, outside of London, what that commute is like. So a lot of time has been given to us to use because we're not commuting. And yet, somehow, by being in the present moment more, also developing new habits and even learning new skills or resurrecting old 
and talents and skills. Anything new makes us very aware of how time passes. Sometimes when we're in the middle of something, it feels time standing still. But after, if you look up and think, oh gosh, that hour went fast or that two hours went very quickly. Yes. I seem to be sleeping a lot more. I don't know if other people around me are also. I wonder how time can be passing so much quicker mm. if we're sleeping more. <laughs> well, we don't know it's passing, do we? <laughs> and I'm finding this around me in England and other countries who say that time's going faster and they're sleeping more. Definitely, even having afternoon naps, which of course maybe we've got a bit more luxury or some of us have to do that. Maybe we're having to digest something new. It takes a lot of energy to be adjusting. Anything new takes energy. Anything habitual doesn't take so much. Right. This is new. So I feel we're like children. We, they sleep a lot. I hadn't thought of that before. <laughs> so what about, how did we get here astrologically? Could you predict this? Could you, I know you don't predict, but could you see it in the larger astrological pattern? We've always been aware that come 2020, there was a major conjunction between two planets come to the same degree out of these 360 degrees of the zodiac. When they're the slow moving planets and they come together, they don't happen very often, those conjunctions. And the one we're talking about here are the planets Saturn and Pluto. Saturn is quite our taskmaster, called Father Time, the Ring Pass Knot, the End Bringer walls, boundaries, maturity. It rules the sign of Capricorn. It's, it's its own home sign, Capricorn. Each planet has a sign, a zodiac sign. It's comfortable with. And Saturn is at home in Capricorn, which is actually has been there, Jane, for a couple of years. It's just about to leave that sign. I'll come on to that later. So in its own home sign, it's very powerful. And Saturn and Capricorn wants to take its time. It wants to be sure that it's earthing what it does it's manifesting and it's all about grounding <laughs> you know we talk about youngsters being grounded if they've been misbehaving right but we and we do feel as though we've been grounded right we, we're stuck in our homes we've been grounded <laughs> absolutely saturn means many many each planet jane represents different aspects different qualities they're quite overworked from that point of view and saturn i've already mentioned a few of its attributes but it does tend to get more comfortable as time goes by in our lives and in old age. So you find Capricorns, ruled by Saturn, often get lighter and younger as they get older, whether it's their sun sign when they're born, their month they're born in, or their moon sign, or their rising sign, the time of birth. And you find they kind of lighten up as they get older. And they learn to prune things and to make simple or simpler what they've complicated or tried too hard with in the past. So if we apply that now, we're having, a, again, a salutary lesson in dripping things down to essentials, to seeing what we can do without, and actually it's okay to do without, without the shops, buying new clothes all the time, maybe less variety of foodstuffs, and indeed getting highly resourceful because of it. So the word for Saturn was also, in the Greek terminology, chronos where we get our word chronic or chronological from. And things can often seem quite chronic, can't they? When we're having pain, we talk about a chronic illness. The Greeks also had a word for time because Saturn was father time, chronological clock time. They also had a word called kairos. 
the quality of time, stepping outside of time. In my book, The Time Catcher, I, I think I've dedicated a chapter to that. It's God's time. That's a big subject unto itself, isn't it? What is God's time? Yes. It is different. And synchronicity plays a major, major part with Kairos time. We fill our lives with calendars on our phones, paper, and we worry about having spaces. Will the world forget us? We ought to fill that space. Yes, I'll put that in the calendar. I, yeah, I could do that. And then when the time comes, we sometimes feel, oh, I don't know if I do want to do that. Maybe a better opportunity came in. Or we just wanted to stay in and be. But we've, because we're responsible people, we've committed ourselves to something, so we do it. And I'm a great believer in that we need to have those empty spaces. We need to have pauses. Like music. Yeah, and dance, yes conversation wouldn't be so happy if they didn't have those things and our hearts and bodies know that but our brains tell us something completely different our left hemisphere brains i think again somebody once said that if we don't find time for recreation or to recreate ourselves sooner or later we're going to be obliged to find time for illness <laughs> looking at the example of our prime minister who's been taken into intensive care um, with coronavirus. And he, Boris Johnson, he's um, a very alpha male, very responsible, dutiful, um, really wanting to do his best. And he's been working 18 hour days, taking us through Brexit, but also now the coronavirus pandemic. The problem is that when our immune systems get compromised by tiredness, stress, fear, then viruses and illness in general creep in more. So harnessing a very strong immune system at the moment is quite important. And I think that when we haven't allowed ourselves pauses to rest, to renew ourselves, that's when illness can hit very strongly. So Saturn and time, I do compare it to a piece of music, that it has its pauses, its highs, its lows, if you like, when we go along a particular route of just going, 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 like on a treadmill, we start to harden inside. So I feel at this time period, we're getting an opportunity to do things differently and actually to know how amazing we are as souls, as human beings, extraordinary that we are. Pluto is to come along to join, if you want to call it that, Saturn. And Pluto is the transformer. It's like transform or die. Ugh heavy eh <laughs> it's about metamorphosis renewing of ourselves of shedding skins like nature does all the time we forget we need to do that as well and it's the area of our charts where we usually have a lot of fear where we have to actually die to old parts of us to be reborn so collectively and these outer planets represent humanity as at large are giving us this opportunity to go into our underworld to the deeper our connections to ourselves and others and to have a reset button. Systems have a reset button and a pause while that's happening. In 2020, is this unusual that Saturn and Pluto come together? Is this unusual? It's not that common. The last time they came together was in the early 1980s when we saw the rise of AIDS. Ah. Okay. Before that, 1947, it's easily forgotten, not forgotten really, but yes, it is in a way polio. The one before was Spanish flu. Often um, 
these situations, we call them that, arise when there's been a build-up of toxicity, wars, fanaticism. There's a kind of collective energy at work. Hmm. Sometimes events cast their shadows before them, very much so. And there was a, a mystic and doctor and philosopher called Paracelsus back in the early 1500s. He was really disliked by the medical profession of his day, but he was quite a genius and he had a great understanding of how illness worked, of nature, of elementals and many things. Remarkable personage. He wrote that when a virus, when a, and a plague, plagues were fairly common back then, came and hit particular areas, there had been a buildup of toxicity due to a huge amount of anger, wars, conflict, and he compared it to an entity, like an intelligence, if you like, that came. Sometimes maybe a village two miles away wasn't even affected, which is quite strange. But then when the time was right, and he reckoned that medicine couldn't really cure it, it would disappear as quickly as it came. And often it did. Mm. I haven't read that book for 40 years, and I'd remember that statement, to disappear as quickly as it came. And other people are saying that as well. What you're saying is that the virus has, it's like an entity or it has an intelligence? Well, there's a possibility, and Paracelsus certainly thought so. He was called the Swiss Hermes of his time. He definitely saw things like viruses and the like as intelligences. And when, it, when we'd reached a tipping point collectively, that not just a plague, but also perhaps um, a seismic activity would happen. There'd be a kind of um, a boiling point, a tipping point, where these things would occur because we couldn't go on the way we were. So we're looking now at um, global warming, at uh, overpopulation, at smog, and all kinds of things like that, and saying, okay, it's heating up, and it's time for an intelligence to come in to hit the reset button. <laughs> Well, one way of looking at it, I suppose. But certainly a, a huge pandemic like this, which has affected all of us. Right. It's created a lot of borders, but it's also brought us all very close together. It's a great equaliser when you think of it. So this is what's happening now. And 2020 started a new decade. Also, the planet Uranus, one beyond Saturn. Um, Uranus is often in an angle to an earthquake when one occurs. I'm putting that very simply, you know, for the layperson. Uranus is a lightning rod. Uranus, a couple of years ago, 18 months ago, entered the sign of Mother Earth, Taurus. They're very different principles. Whatever Uranus touches in its seven-year cycle through a zodiac sign, it changes. So more Earth activity, obviously the emphasis on activists about climate change has been very much de rigueur in the last year. We didn't perhaps see that this might link in with a pandemic but they do tie in very well. And I think that Mother Earth has been crying out for change. And I know just going on, on a long walk today, I mean, the air is so different. People living in London are saying that. I gather the atmosphere around Los Angeles is clearer than it's been in a long while. I've heard that the, um, the water over Niagara Falls is clear for the first time. Oh, and, wow. uh, and Venice. Yes, indeed. They're seeing dolphins there now and fish that weren't there before. So there is a definite difference. 
And I think the theme underlying all of this is the interconnectedness. We see no man is an island. The poet John Donne wrote that. But more than that, it's the bigger web. It's the fact we are all interconnected. We are all one. The word universe means one. And this is coming home to us much more. And I'm noticing, I don't know whether you are as well, how out and about people are kinder in the main. There's always going to be the minority who are difficult or panicking or rebelling. But on the main, I think that people, when you pass them two meters apart, are smiling, saying hello. It's a very different kind of connection. And I was talking to somebody earlier that young children, say four, five, six, they're being homeschooled. They're having an opportunity, those of them who've hopefully got a happy home life and can get outdoors. The kind of childhood that, for example, I had, and you probably had, Jane, growing up, the simple values more, make-believe games, playing things, um, making music, and really, really appreciating nature. So they may well look back at their early childhood as being quite special. Mm, Yes. And something else I wanted to mention was about that we have many more parts to us than we realize. It's like an orchestra or actors in a play. I can see this through astrology that when we're born and we're talking about 10 planets and maybe asteroids and goodness knows what else, but we have them all in our birth charts when we're born in certain zodiac signs, certain areas of the chart. Those parts don't always have a lot to say. We've all got our leading roles. It could be our Um, leadership quality, our organisational power, our creative genius, our traveller, could be many things. We've all got a leading role and from a young age we're taught to really lean on it, we're encouraged with it and of course we feel very safe with it because we're good at it and maybe we make good money through it one day. But there's other areas which um, they don't really have much of an airing, perhaps when you were little you were criticised, hurt, or overdid something and hurt someone and you end up thinking well mm, that doesn't serve me to be assertive or to be spontaneous or to be a dreamer or to work with my hands or whatever it may be so like actors in a play they have stage fright and they stay off in the wings and another actor plays that part for them and in our lives this happens from an early age if we don't live out parts of our nature other people will be drawn to us, they'll do it for us. And parts of us just don't get an airing. What I think happens when there's a crisis, and the word crisis means opportunity and crossroads in some languages, particularly the Chinese, the symbol for it. When a crisis occurs, sometimes we have to bring on stage, bring on stage a part of us which is rusty that we haven't used out of necessity. Sometimes, you know, in a, in, a, in a play on stage, that can happen. The leading actor goes sick and somebody has to play the role. They may not feel they're ready for it. And maybe they do really well. And sometimes they make their name because of it. But in our everyday lives, if we suddenly have to be working from home, we have to form a new relationship with our partner, in a sense, by being with them much more. Perhaps we have time in our hands and we think, well, I need to do something. So we resurrect an old hobby. And I think that... Whatever the case, we're bringing on new parts of us. In other words, the unlived parts, which may never get an airing in this lifetime. And sometimes we automatically, I think, or subconsciously draw to us some kind of crisis to have that happen. But when it's happening on the world stage, as it is, 
is affecting us all. And it is sad that people will be losing their jobs because of this. The company goes down. After this is through, there isn't a job for them. But think a moment, what if? What if deep down somebody thinks, well, actually, I haven't enjoyed that for a long while. I might train at something else. I might take a different pathway with work. I might choose to work from home more. There's many things that are going to come up that might have been right for that person. But because we've got free will, we haven't had the courage, the time even to think about it, to have that new outlook. So I think there are going to be some very positive things that come out of this. And also the way that we communicate. I mean, rather than face-to-face meetings or traveling by plane here and there, we may find ourselves virtually meeting. Yes, virtually meeting. Yes, much more than we've ever done before. Much more. And developing softer skills of empathy, maybe more listening, which in a way you have to virtually, otherwise it just sounds a mess if everyone's talking at once on a screen. And softer skills in general, as I mentioned, the crafts, the writing, maybe making music. Many things which we think, oh, I haven't got time for that. (laughs) Interesting. The feminine, if you like, because the Mother Earth is feminine. I think she's having a very, very big say at the moment. And think about the moon. As I'm looking out over my window, the full moon is all about the bonding. It's word links with matter and mother. Oh, since our living memory, the sense of home has become important. People are traveling back from abroad, trying to get back to their home country. They still are. We have our homes we're looking at more, cleaning out cupboards, doing things we never thought of doing before in a long while. Everything's getting cleaned. (laughs) It's quite funny, really, isn't it? There was a joke on Facebook about that. However, but at the end of all this, either we're going to be great cooks or drinkers. <laughs> or both. <laughs> and there is a lot of humour and kindness. I'm, I'm noticing that. The kindness, again, that's a softer approach to life. Because when we're harassed, we're under stress, you know, we, we're harder. We know we're not so kind. And then we realise afterwards, oh, gosh, I was a bit brusque or whatever, and we can't remedy it. But now we don't need to be in that position, you know. I want to make the point that you do readings. You've done many for me and my friends repeatedly over the years. And people can get a reading from you. I just have to say, first of all, you you do it by calling. So it's auditory. And then you send a, uh, a we transfer file and or uh, a CD of the reading so that they can review it later. Yes, this is very good, Jane. That's excellent. That's exactly so how, how I do it. If they wanted a reading from you, how would they do that? Well, I have a website, www.izan.com. And on there is my email address, which is info at izan.com. On there is my book, which can be ordered, and people can find out how I work, the different kinds of readings, testimonials. And if they email me, then we can perhaps have a chat on the phone first to set it up, to find out what the client needs. I do charts for individuals, for businesses. Recently, I've done many more readings for grandchildren and children. And I think sometimes people don't want to spend the money on themselves. They want to do it as a kind of legacy for the the offspring. And I feel it's a great honor to be doing that kind of work. You did a reading for my mother at 90, 
if you remember, but you said, well, you may think that your life is nearing the end, but you have a, a, a lot to write. And uh, she went on to write a book, uh, made mm. a CD with her, with readings of her poems. Yes. Very important. And she was singing as well, wasn't she? Yes, very influential in my mother's later years. Fantastic. And again, that's such an honor because there's no time limit on this, whether the child's for a baby, for the parents to work with it in the growing years and then to be given to the then young adult. In fact, I've had young adults come to me and said, my mother gave me the tape in those days when I was 18. And I've listened to it and worked with the information. Now, I would like you to do my children's charts. So again, I, f I find that to be a great honor. And if people want to relocate to different places, because you know, a country or a town has its own personality just as we do. We can hate it, love it, like it, be indifferent. And what's the best place for you to be living or visiting? What are you learning from it? So each country has a chart. I don't know if you mm. can talk about this, but each country having its own chart in our current situation, do you find differences mm. in the charts of countries that are reflected in, in what's going on? Yes. Yes, definitely. And they're all taking different approaches. There's been a much stronger, hesitate to use the word militant, approach in places like Spain, Italy. And don't forget with those countries, they many, sometimes two or three generations live together, they're more touchy-feely. It's quite different. And it's been very strong, the lockdown. You've got Denmark, which is locked down strongly. You've got Sweden, which has not been. And it's going to be interesting to see how that pans out. I was talking to a client in Finland the other day. who said that Helsinki's locked down, but the rest of Finland isn't. And they've had 25 deaths. I think countries where the population is smaller and much more countryside, it's a little easier. And their own approaches as well. In England, we are an Aries nation, so there's a the tendency to be... Um, more impatient, more impulsive. We're not taken to lockdown too well, although it's wonderful we have the, we, yes, we have that, of being able to get out to exercise for a couple of hours a day, which is wonderful, which, which they don't have in some countries. I think it's very much to do with how it's all going to move on. So each country has its own karma and therefore its own personality. Do you want to talk about that? Absolutely. Absolutely. Definitely. We have our own individual karma as individuals, but countries do as well. And I think our souls when we're born into form, into a family line, into a body, choose, chooses. I really believe this. The higher self for the individual chooses um, historical time period, a culture, maybe a religion, certainly a country and a family line. And taking on the karma of that and having opportunities to help, to heal some of it or sometimes just to be caught up in it because that is karma from another lifetime. It's interesting that this came out of China. It's not, that can't be disputed. It's hard to know whether some of the information is correct or not because the society is quite closed in many ways. So I feel that when this is over, it's going to be interesting to see which countries open up more quickly than others. But I do, I'm coming back to this idea that I think it will disappear as quickly as it came. I do see later May, May time anyway, as being a positive turning point. And if there is a higher purpose behind this, not just to help clean up the planet, you know, Mother Earth, but for us to learn things, to get to that reset button and make new choices, create new habits, have more empathy, then the time 
will be right for that to occur. And I think there's a lot of mystery surrounding all this. We don't have the answers. What we do have happening with the Saturn-Pluto conjunction, which occurred on the 12th of January this year, and will repeat itself a couple of times before the end of this year, when Jupiter joins in, then I do feel by the end of this year, Jane, that we are going to look back and see a much bigger shift than just how, what's happening with the economy, what's the population going to be like, what are our jobs like. It's going to be a bigger picture. We'll never be the same. Never be the same. Saturn entered Aquarius on the 22nd of March, just gone, well, not long ago. Aquarius, the next door sign to Capricorn, is the team player. It's wanting equality. It's a humanitarian. It gives a certain detachment, which we are in terms of how we're having to live around each other and not get too close, except for the people we're actually sharing the house with. There's a detachment, but a sense of team playing, the group, the bigger picture. So right through this year, I feel we're going to, on the one hand, be conscious of a constriction, a kind of restriction, a grounding, as we said earlier, but also at another level, perhaps this inner home, an opening up to wider horizons, new possibilities, which I think is, you know, absolutely beautiful in many ways. And of course, there's a lot of tragedy wrapped around this, but because I'm, as you know, a timing advisor, an expert, as they call me, this is a, an opportunity to how we value time and all about our values. What is important to us now? Do we really value it? Do we really need it? So value and self-value is going to come to the fore very, very much. The planet that's in, involved with that idea of values is Venus. Of course, Venus was a feminine goddess, a beauty of love, of creativity. And until August, Venus is in the sign of Gemini, which is all about how we use words, making them pretty, creative, poetry, writing, how we connect with people. Again, the softer skills. So there's going to be an opportunity to revalue our lives. Most of us don't even value ourselves enough, do we? Mm. If we value ourselves better, then I think we can value others better as well. And we need this time out, as we call it, to step back a little, to get perspective. And if nothing else comes out of this, I feel that that's going to be very on the agenda. Well, this is very valuable information to step back and look at it astrologically as well as, you know, we're all in this together. Mm -hmm. is, are there any other last minute comments before we close? Hmm. I think people put a lot of emphasis or reliance on astrologers and psychics regarding what's going to happen. I'm a great believer in free will. If we overcome our habits, if we stick with our habits, patterns keep repeating. Like I think Einstein once said, and I'm probably misquoting it slightly, but he said, insanity means doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. <laughs> So I think we've been doing a lot of that. We find loads of excuses to not change. And I think the softness, I'm talking again about the softer skills, about valuing being with oneself, being with one's nearest and dearest, which isn't always easy. I think there's going to be a baby boom after this as well. And they could be, it's a bit of a joke, Corona, you know, the Corona generation. <laughs> 
and maybe more separations which are overdue there's going to be an opportunity to really take stock of why we do certain things or why we are with people why how real how authentic are we being with our lives and so we are growing up without a shadow of a doubt and this has been in a sense predicted for a very very long while that there would be a major change mm. personally i'm quite impressed with the way governments with individuals are actually handling this how resourceful we're being how kind we're being how are you finding it in in the states jane <laughs> oh dear well we're a very <laughs> Oh, we're a very large country, so um, in my state, it's it's. I'm very impressed. We're starting to see the flattening of that curve. Mm. And you're in Oregon, right? Yes, in Oregon. You mentioned earlier about immunity, our immune systems, and it isn't always just about how well we eat. Is it organic food or not? Generally speaking, avoiding stress, finding maybe through meditation or simpler ways of living just taking pauses in the day, even when we think we have no time, to find that calm spot within, to avoid some stress. Fear is a great deterrent. It's never been a good advice, I fear. I think there's a lot of collective fear about, do I have enough? Will my job survive? Will my partner leave me or not? And so forth. There's so much fear, mainly about things that never actually ever happen. And coming back down now to the common denominator of, I'm not going to necessarily use the word survival. We are coping. We are coping. Some countries won't cope as well, but they'll find their ways as well. But certainly knowing how resourceful we are, the capacity we have, the God within each one of us, to know actually we are very capable of coming through a crisis, of bonding together and bringing things back to basics. And again, coming back to this concept of the home, the inner home and how we value our time. Just one more time, I highly recommend that people consider getting a reading from you. And if they want one, they should go to your website. Isanne.com. Okay, Y-S-A-N-N-E.com mm -hmm. and contact you that way. Thank you. And my book is on there, The Time Catcher, which is really written for the layperson, not about time management. As I said, we can easily fill our diaries up and get better at being on time for things. It's not about that. It's about these inner timekeepers, our natural diaries, and how timing rhythms work through the whole of life, the golden mean proportions we see in our bodies, in nature, with music, with mathematics. I wrote this book after 40 years. I'm a writer, but I've never written a full book. <laughs> I wrote it really to make simple my knowledge. Somebody once said that the better you know a subject, the more easily you can make it simple. And I think that's the art of being, in my own case, an astrologer for 41 years and making it simpler now. Well, the book is um, very easy to read. It's It's not a big, thick tome. It's easy to... And I actually find myself picking it up in different times to refer to different chapters or to just open it to where it will and get some inspiration from it. It's a very good book. Thank you, Jane. I loved writing it. It was my baby, my best friend. I had kind of postnatal depression when it was over. <laughs> oh, oh, no, but we all want to leave a legacy in some ways, don't we? And 
uh, particularly with myself not having children I think it's important very important to have something I leave behind me to see to see that grow and be useful over the times to come and for me writing the book was very much akin to that well, thank you very much, Azan, for joining us today and giving us your words of wisdom and your look into the astrological present, past and future of our world. Thank you too, Jane. Thank you very much for inviting me on. So you don't miss any of our shows. Make sure you subscribe to podcast.changewithin.com or click the subscribe button below. Until next time, this is your host, Dr. Jane Battenberg.